Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, designers, and dreamers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. After a quick summer break, Cabin Culture is back to share more cabin adventures with you. Today we have Tyler Tuttle, who's one of the first non-rental cabin owners we've had on the podcast. He grew up with fond memories of cabin, camp, and lake activities, and just about the time he booked his stay at Janice's Cozy Rock Cabin, he purchased his own camp on Lake St. George in Maine. He shares the research and countless weekend road trips he made to find just the right lake vibe he was looking for, and how his surprise elopement turned out after having to wrestle a dock in frigid water. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss the newest cabin chat we're bringing to you every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy. Janice! Hi, friends! I'm uh, excited that hopefully we're both on good mics. My now wife also has a podcast. Very, very different from a cabin podcast. Really? What is her podcast? (laughs) So her podcast, uh, it's a little sad, just uh, forewarning. Uh, So my wife... Uh, lost her son two years ago to SIDS, oh. um, which is a bummer. Um, but she and another person she met on Reddit started a podcast, both just as something for them to to do. And it's like an outlet and they have a bunch of followers now. And they just, they talk about the grief and the loss and and just all those things that go along with it. And it's, it's really nice. But What's it called? It's called As Long As I'm Living. As long as I'm living. Okay, plug for everyone out there. But also, <laughs> I am driving to Maine tonight, so I am going to subscribe to it now so that I can take a listen on the road. They describe it as the funniest sad podcast out there. Okay, as an Enneagram 7, <laughs> I love that. But we also did work for Kate Bowler. Have you heard of her or does your wife know her? Maybe. So she is a writer and professor at Duke Div, and she's about my age and got diagnosed with stage four cancer years ago. And so her podcast is called Everything Happens, but it's a similar idea. It's like, how do we sit with grief and like when the world becomes more than we expected it to be? How do we have conversations about that instead of ignoring it? How do we not sugarcoat everything? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Wait, what's her name? Kate Bowler. Everything happens. Whoops. You um, know Kate Bowler. Kate Bowler. Yeah, another another griefy podcast. <laughs> okay, she should definitely look her up, and her book is called "Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved," and it's all about like how people don't handle grief well, and like from yes, the perspective that's... of someone who is battling stage four cancer, what does she wish people would do? What do like? How do you handle yes. it better? It's the exact exact same kind of content. Okay, they would it's love great. each other. I feel like she should <laughs> listen, and somehow we should get them together. Okay, I'm following. Wait, I can never figure out how to subscribe. I don't want to waste all your time. Okay, but I have it pulled up. I'm gonna. Oh, I I have all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good to connect in real life. I know. I don't think we ever have, other than I mean, you've shared videos and I share videos, so it feels like we've met, but Janice. we haven't. Janice, yes. I was at your, your cabin opening ceremony. I was I at know. the, remember I showed up at the cabin. Oh, Tyler, we have met in real life. I do remember that. That was amazing. <laughs> I do remember that. Oh my God. We're going to have to edit um, this out of the you can You can edit that out of the box. Okay. So this explains, Tyler, why it does feel like we've met in real life because we have. Because we have. Oh my gosh. Big group events sometimes are overwhelming in terms of my memory. Literally. Yes. You were, you were, you were obviously during that. Yeah. On the day of my wedding, my. <laughs> My videographers gave me a card and in it it referenced a joke from the night before. And I was like, how did you guys know about this joke? And they were like, Janice, we were there. What are you talking about? We happened to be there. We were literally there. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like an idiot. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's very excited to see it. Very exciting to see you again. And this time, the last time we met, we you did not have a cabin. But you came to our cabin and then you later stayed in our cabin after you won a giveaway. Correct. Yes. That is real. Yeah. But after oh, that, you ended up buying your own cat. I don't think, had you owned it yet when you stayed at mine? I'm trying to remember. What year was it? Well, what when was like it opening? When was Cozy Rock opening? The summer of 2021. When did you buy your cabin? 
I, I bought my cabin April of 2021. So I don't think so I you did own it. Okay, I did. You must have. But it was like, yes, I did because I had, I was planning to go up there, but like I've been like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Can you <laughs> can you introduce yourself for the people who might not know you? Because this podcast is a little bit different. And I love that about it is that I did not meet you through a cabin account. I met you as just an individual who like offered thoughts and advice while we were building Cozy Rock. And then you bought a cabin, but you're not renting it. It's just yours. I was These just gonna are- say, it's really funny. Sorry, we have a little lag. My wife and I, we came back from the cabin actually this weekend. And we were listening to a few episodes of this podcast and we're like, wait a minute, like I, I don't plan on renting my cabin, at least not for like years and years and years. Um, it's a total passion project of mine. So where should I start? Where do I even start? Yes. Okay. So start. That's actually why I wanted to have you on specifically, because I feel like cabin culture back in the day and where it first started was projects just like yours. Airbnb wasn't a thing. No one was building a cabin for the sole purpose of renting it. Even rentals, like you had to go through a company, like it was a big thing, right? And so most people who had cabins had it for themselves first and foremost, and only exclusively. And then yet, because of the world that I'm in, I meet mostly cabin owners who rent. And so I really have been craving connections kind of going back to the way that it used to be. It just, you don't find as many anymore. So, okay. So why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, where you're from? And uh, yeah, I was going to say why we're talking to you today, but I kind of just outlined that. So give the people (laughs) an overview. Yeah. I mean, I can go back to like how this all happened. But to start off, I am Tyler Tuttle. I am the owner of Camp Tuttle, as I'm now calling it. Yes. Um, So my cabin is up in Liberty, Maine, which is around Camden, Belfast area. Um, As we said, I bought it in 2021. Um, So I've been there three years. But I am just, I grew up kind of in the camp vibe through as classic as you can get family i went my aunt and uncle always had small tiny 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 little cabins with outhouses uh, that we would go visit for family events um, i went to sleepaway camp at camp belknap um, in new hampshire wolfboro new hampshire for eight years so i either stayed there for two weeks or up to a month at a time sleep away you know just cabins bunks no no electronics kind of places um, my mom actually went to Camp Huckins, which is the sister camp of Camp Belknap. So like she grew up doing this. She took us to family camp when we were really little. So like I've been doing the camp thing since I was born. Um, and I've just always, always loved it. Um, yeah, and it just it just kept growing from there. Yeah. So for people not in New England or specifically Maine, I don't know if camp is just a Maine thing, but I know that like a lot of cabins on lakes in Maine are called camps, but then there's also like sleepaway camp. So this gets very confusing for people outside yeah. of Maine. Can you explain the breakdown is, for those who fair. don't know? Uh, so funny enough, the book I recommended, uh, Cabin, oh shit, what is it? Uh, Cabin-topia? No. There was a book I recommended I forget what it is. We have it in our bookshelf, but I yes. also do not remember the title. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Cabinpedia? Um, was it the cabin? I think it was Cabinpedia. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's Dirt and Glass. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's their website. That's right. Shout out uh, to Dirt and Glass. Shout out to Dirt and Glass, for sure. Yeah. So camp, it is. It's a very New England word, especially like what it means. It's kind of like mm-hmm. frap and milkshake up here as well. Uh, but camp definitely has a meaning in new england for sure of like off the gritty rustic um kind of vibe and that's always what it's been that's what these sleepaway camps especially in new england are they're just you know you bring a sleeping bag there's a bunk you bring a trunk of clothes and you're there for two weeks doing activities that the camp has um same thing of like these camps owned by families they're always Mm -hmm. usually tiny like less than Mm -hmm. maybe 600 square feet with like eight bunks and you just cram your whole family Mm -hmm. and extended family in there and you go swimming and you just run around and play board games it's 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 the back to basics yeah Uh, if you're dreaming about a cabin build or are in the midst of a build 
or you just bought a place and are getting ready to host for the very first time. Regardless of where you are, sometimes you just need a little help along the way. Shared experiences from someone who's been there, advice from someone who's learned a lot of lessons the hard way, that's me, or a cheerleader as you finish up. All of these reasons are exactly why I started offering cabin consultations to our Instagram followers and friends who could use some specific one-on-one help. I can't promise to solve all your problems, but I can promise to be transparent about our build costs and process, our organization and project management systems, our favorite and least favorite tools for renting, how we market, and how we found ourselves with almost 80,000 Instagram followers and 100% occupancy in our first year of hosting at Cozy Rock. So if that sounds like it might help you, feel free to visit us at staycozycabin.com or on Instagram at Cozy Rock Cabin and sign up for a time to chat there. Love it. <laughs> it makes, I mean, I, I'm smiling the whole time because that's exactly what introduced me to cabin culture was a main camp. And it was just like what you said. It's a little, our family camp is a little bit bigger now. And I feel like this has happened a lot of places when it's passed down in generations and originally it's like eight to 10 people that you're squeezing in there and then more kids have kids. And so then you build a bunkhouse, yep. or then you figure out how to add a second floor, add an extension if you even can. But on water in Maine, there's also a lot of rules about how close you can build to the water and how much you can add on. Yeah, I can get I mean, I already have so many stories I can tell of this. And so I guess continuing my story is I I grew up doing all. And so, of course, I'm you know, I love that vibe. And um, I feel like pandemic comes along for everyone and that was the time where i was just sitting around doing nothing like everyone else and i i had always in the back of my head had this dream and always talked about it. I'm like you know i would love a cabin one day i would love this i don't own a primary home yet so i'm one of the classic millennials now yep. you know <laughs> buying the second vacation home before i think you guys had mentioned that in a previous episode actually yeah. um so i'm a prime example of that and it's been great. And so I always wanted, I'm incredibly, I like being incredibly handy. So I'm like fixing up this place myself. Um, but it's, this cabin was exactly what you just described. It was owned by a family for 40 plus years. Um, I think they were only the second owners of this house that was mm. built in 1950 or 60. Um, and they held on to it. And then they, right before I bought it, like almost all of these cabins, they didn't use it for five years and it went into disrepair, but it's just so these places are so nostalgic for these families, obviously that they don't want to let go of them. And then finally you have to make the hard decision after five years of not using it and it going into disrepair. You're like, okay, like crap, I guess we have to sell the camp. We have to sell the family camp, which is hard for these people. And that's actually why you see so many of these cabins in disrepair. Like, Families just don't want to let go of them for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. And it gets tricky when they get handed down, I think, because it's like, oh, maybe you have two kids. Yes. So you hand it down to the two kids and then the kids each have two kids. And it's like, how do we divide it? And some families really figure that out well. And other families, it gets tricky and they decide the easiest way is just to sell it and each get a cut. Yeah. And then and you lose that a little bit, which I think is really sad, but also understandable that logistically that stuff gets hard, which is why my yeah. sister and I bought our own camp this year. <laughs> right down the street from our family camp. Cause we're like, okay, like let's start this for our own kids and have that in our family too. Yeah. It's yeah. Any, anything and everything can happen from that standpoint. Like maybe one kid wants it and the other kid doesn't. So like mm-hmm. one kid has to buy it out or like maybe it is shared amongst three kids, but one kid is doing all the upkeep and then that That's builds right. resentment. Like, yeah, That's all right. that, all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, I actually started when I was, so back to my story of like looking for a cabin. So pandemic rolls around, I'm doing nothing. I'm like, all right, I live in, I was living in Cambridge, Massachusetts at the time. I just got in my car alone and Google mapped all these little lakes. I knew I wanted a place on a lake because I'm huge into water sports and sailing and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started looking up lakes on Google maps and being like, yeah, that looks cool. And I just drove up there, just drove up there to the lake to check it out on my own middle of the pandemic. So it was safe as can be in my own car yep. and just checked it out. I'm like, would I be interested in this place? If so, I started a, you know, a Zillow mm-hmm. notification. And every time something came up, I was, you know, on top of it. Um, it was also 2021. So it was like the worst buying 
market ever. So that was also stressful. But yeah, I found this place in Liberty, Maine. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to pause you there. How many lakes did you go to? Ooh, I probably went to six or seven lakes overall. Um, but like I would, I would do a whole day. Like I would go up on a Saturday, get up at, you know, 7am and make a whole day of it. I would drive for hours. Um, I did actually go to one while visiting a different friend's, uh, lake house, um, on the way to their place. I went up this dirt road, dirt mountain road. I owned a mini Cooper at the time and I got stuck on the road coming back down my mini cooper got stuck on a rock it was like that oh no road and there was no one around so i had to walk a mile did you have cell service no cell service yeah of course (laughs) i had to walk a mile back to the closest house i saw middle of the pandemic and knock on their door and say hi i need help my car got stuck can you call me a tow truck (laughs) and did they yeah but i had to wait there for two and a half hours for the tow truck to come (laughs) It was peaceful though. Yeah, I bet. And that's when that lake got cut. Exactly. Like not going here. How many of them, how many others got cut from your list? And what were the reasons that you were like, nope, this lake isn't good? Yeah. I mean, I say six or seven, it might have been up like actually a dozen or more now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, there were so many lakes I would go to. I would also do like camping sometimes, like pitch a tent or something. Yeah. Um, But there's so many lakes that are just too built up. Is, is really what it is. I am yet again, one of the, uh, you know, ideals of a camp is that it's quiet um, most of the time. And so many of these places, obviously closer to Boston are just, you have houses that are five feet from each other. And that was not what I was looking for. I do yeah. enjoy that too. Like I've been to Lake Winnipesaukee dozens of times and like, that's a great lake, a party lake and, and everything. But what I was more looking for, my criteria was a quiet um, lake with lots of woods, lots of water and that kind of thing. So I definitely cut a bunch of ponds and lakes that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you live in Massachusetts, but you landed on a lake in Maine. Can you tell people why Maine is the way life should be? <laughs> um Maine is totally the way life should be. <laughs> Granted, I did grow up. My parents had a place in York, Maine that they lived in. Oh. So I, I, I've been doing Maine, going to Maine for a while. But That's right. That's where you stayed during the, um, the housewarming, the cabin warming party. Yes. <laughs> um, and so Maine really is the, the way life should be because it's still so rural and rugged and and foresty and like yeah you probably can get that out in western mass and definitely in, you know northern new york kind of thing but like for the new england area where i am it's maine it's maine all the way maybe vermont like northern vermont and new hampshire too but that's just a little too far away from where i am yeah um, obviously the ideal for anyone like a cabin two hours away yeah um, the cat but the lake that's two hours away from boston is lake Winnipesaukee, and so a too expensive didn't meet mm-hmm. my criteria a little too built up a little too noisy and so i just had to i just had to keep going further and further north looking for what i wanted um and that's just how i finally ended up on liberty maine so tell us about the lake that you're on and what it's like there but then also tell us about your cabin cuz i i don't know if your instagram account is private cuz it's a personal one i get to see it all through instagram i don't know if you want me sending the people to you but like that is a good place to follow your adventures but again yeah. it's your personal account it's not um you know so, a marketing account yeah so funny you say that i i mean there's i feel like there's so much you and i can talk about Janice from this standpoint is i actually think i am going to it is my personal account my instagram but I think I'm going to start, I actually did start, just grab the name Camp Tuttle. And I think I'm going to make a public account. But it's not, it's not, um, you know, for Airbnb or anything. It's just to, you know, chronicle me and my wife's, you know, fixing up at this cabin, um, doing shenanigans, having a good time, and just living camp life. That's that's all it's really going to be. Um, yeah. Would I would I rent out my cabin eventually? Yeah, sure. But not for not for years. Man, okay, I found you. It's camp underscore yeah. Tuttle for any of that's, the people who are looking. That's the one. Haven't even posted yet. So you can get in. From well, 
Yeah, you haven't posted yet. But what's interesting is you've been posting on your other one for three seasons now, as you call it, camp yep. season one, two and three. Yep. And or I think you were calling it cabin season one, two and three at the time. So you definitely what I love is that you have documented a lot of the stuff that you're working on via time lapses. Like it's going to yeah. be an easy transition for you to make. And I do think that people will be interested because I remember when Pete and I were first talking about the cabin we talked about different ways that you could build a cabin and how we tend to see it now in this Airbnb boom of people like with lots of money or investors like making a really fancy cabin. And he was always like, I think stage building or renovating is one of the best ways to do it because you can just save up money for each project as you go. But that is a very personal way of doing it. Like if it's for you, because if you're trying to Airbnb it, you can't make money till you're done. So you got to throw all the money at it at the beginning and watching you has been so satisfying because it really is this slow process of just each season picking away at the stuff you're going to do. Yeah. Um, so actually, so please keep me on track too. Like, but the way I found you Janice was actually through Raven House. I had been, I actually thought I wanted to build a cabin um first um you know i was i was just looking all around the internet instagram whatever you know cabin life cabin vibes and i stumbled across <laughs> the raven house at the time it was just you know his original raven house yeah. and just just obsessed so yeah. shout out to pete just like he did he obviously we all here know he is like the epitome that cabin is the epitome of what we all want for a camp yeah and it inspired me. Like I thought I bought one of his plans. I thought I was going to build. I actually pre the lot that I bought in Liberty found a different lot in the same town that was just a lot. And I was going to build and I was very close to buying it. And I ended up not doing it. But I am actually for what I'm doing, incredibly thankful in hindsight that I did not build. Mm, tell me more. Um just because watching and then that's how I found you watch yeah. the whole cozy rock cabin get built and everything. But after now that I've had my cabin and I'm renovating and have wanted to do a lot of myself, that's kind of half the point is I, this is a project for me. Building would have been too much because I can do a lot, but I can't, you know, I don't have all the tools. I don't, I don't know architecture truly any of these giant projects. Like I had in my cabin, one of the biggest, first renovations was removing this loft to make it like an open ceiling. I hired a contractor for that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to mess yeah. with the roof falling down. So it's those things is I am so glad that I bought first to get my hands dirty, to learn so much of this stuff, tackle the things I could learn the things I couldn't do. Um, but I still eventually, you know, I still got a, hopefully a lot of years left in my life. I would love to build a take on the Raven house. Yeah. I'm still yeah. obsessed with the Raven house. I know. Thinking back to when you found it on Instagram, we've had this conversation on the podcast and we've come to know real answers. So I'm curious to ask you, what is it about Pete's cabin? Because I had the same reaction when scrolling, but if you like look deeply, it's really hard to articulate what it is for you. Do you remember what stood out to you? I mean, it's just, I mean, I've had this conversation with so many people because I, I obsess over the Raven House and show them it all the time. And I'm like, and I think Pete has said this himself in some ways of it is a, Pete's designs to me are a throwback to what camps have historically been, especially in New England, Canada yeah. area. Um, and, but blended with a modern style which I absolutely love. I yeah. love the camp vibe and, and everything that goes around with it. But like, yes, I do want updated windows that, you know, I have a beautiful view out of. I want those skylights that let yeah. in all the light. I want um, the natural wood and everything, but it doesn't have to be, you know, like I just cut down a tree and threw it up. Like, no, let's get some nice, I think he used white pine and everything. Yeah. There. Gorgeous. And it's still evokes the feeling of this yes. rustic place within nature. Yes. Um, I'm also preparing for the question at the end of what is, what makes <laughs> it a camp. You know uh, where we're going. Uh-huh. And it is, it, it, he did it so well. He did it so well. The Raven house is so nice. I it's, will... it's literally a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yet all of the details come together in a way that you and I and other people are just like crazy about it. Exposed beams, just basic flooring, basic walls. His flooring is plywood. I know. (laughs) He literally used plywood for the flooring. It looks great. (laughs) And I considered it because I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I am still to this day obsessed with the right now. I know. And it just is interesting because I watch so many cabin builds on Instagram, obviously, and and mine potentially included in this. And there's so many that just lose that rustic feeling. That was like my biggest priority during our build and why I love the Raven House. And I still feel like we got some of it, but it's there's drywall. It's a bit more modern, you know, like it's it's not it's not the same as the original Raven House and striking that balance to keep that feeling of camps and cabin culture is hard in the age of like, I want mine to be the nicest and the fanciest and look really good on Instagram and book all the time. Right. Exactly. Like how yeah. do you do that and keep it like the heart of it the same? Yeah. Well, like you, uh, one of those, one of the ways to do that is to have a bathroom, which I agree with. I also have a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. That and running water were deal breakers for me. I'm sorry, Pete. I love you. I cannot wait to see one day the original Raven house, yeah. but Um, but like, I, I, I mean, just going back to that conversation though, is that is part of what makes a camp a camp is the rusticness. Like Mm -hmm. those cabins that my aunt and uncle had growing up, like we did, we had an outhouse. We did not have running water or they literally had a, you know, a hand pump for getting lake water just to do dishes or something. And we like, I still, um, haul in drinking water for my cabin. I do have a pump that pumps lake water for the shower and everything. But uh, yeah, I have to haul in five gallon um, jugs and everything. But it's... That's part of the process though. That's That's the thing to me. It's part of it all. Yeah. mm -hmm. And I remember early on, one of our first guests messaged me and goes, oh, I just want to give you the heads up. There's some ants in the cabin. And in my head, I was like, it's a cabin in the woods. Now I'm also an Airbnb host and I really do care about a good experience. So now we have a regular exterminator who comes and I've had zero complaints of ants. And I get that that's, that's the flip side of renting it is you have to take those things seriously from a guest perspective. But I will say my first response was it's a cabin. There's supposed to be ants. It's in the woods. You'll love this. And so my wife, so we actually, more stories. We got married at my camp this year in May on May 5th, Cinco de Marriage. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> but so she did not grow up with this, you know, history of, of going to these kind of rustic camps and whatnot. She's been to like, you know, those kind of things and has gone camping. But one of the things I remember vividly when we got there, I'm like, oh my God, the loons, I can't wait for you to hear them. And the first time she heard them, she's like, whatever, they sound like, you know, you know, oversized ducks or something. And now fast forward a few months later she's like oh my god the loons i can't wait to hear them oh my god okay thank god yeah exactly thank god you won her over okay good and to your aunt thing we were there this past week and she was like wait there's something about like i don't care how dirty it is she's like i'm just wearing old clothes and like re-wearing shirts and she's like i don't care about spiders and bugs as much like i don't like them but like i'll be like ah whatever it's just an ant for that one or like ah there's a spider yeah whatever it's outside it's like yeah you get connected to nature a little more yeah so much more i love this i'm like i'm now thinking about like if you all have friends there or kids one day or whatever that like teaching them those same things. And then they grow up never having known anything different than going to the camp every summer and feeling those same things, which is exactly how I grew up going every summer. Now I was after they had added a bathroom and after they had running water. So I was like a little bit better. I see pictures of my mom and them like sleeping in tents outside and they still loved it. My mom is the one who taught me how to love it. Yeah. So I do think it gets passed down, which I really like. Okay. I want to get an idea of what cabin culture is like at your camp. So I'm going to ask you some questions that will specifically like paint a picture for us of what it's like where you're at. Um, Okay. What are the, what's your wife's name? Alina. Alina. Okay. So what are the most common cabin lake activities for you and Alina? And then also, I know your friends come up a lot. What do you guys do? So yeah, like a cabin weekend, say it's like Alina and I and like one other couple we get there, we set up, you know, we, we buy all our food on the way up, dump all the food in the fridge, dump all the beer in the beer fridge, and immediately just 
just start sitting. Sitting is the first activity. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And like you just sit there and then it's like, okay, what do I want to do? And it's like, do you want to do something as a group? Do you want to just go sit by the lake? Do you want to read? And I'll go paddleboard. Um, like my cabin is, you know, 15 feet from the water, which is something like was a requirement for me. And it's just do whatever you want in a relaxing way. Go sit in the hammock, go have a campfire. I will say we just swim. We just yeah. swim. We swim for hours. Something Alina and I discovered was like putting on a life jacket, which we hadn't done since like kids, unless like we're actually going boating or something. But we just put on a life jacket and jumped in the water and floated for like two hours. That's it's right. great. <laughs> just get a floatable koozie, put your beer in that yeah. and just like lay out in the lake. Yeah. When it's with friends, like four or five people, you just sit on the dock, drink beers hopefully have some water nearby and swim and talk. It's yeah. and look at the lake, look at the sky, look at the sunset, just be in nature. It's yeah. just, it's just being in nature. It truly is. Now this is the hard balance. Cause I hear you. And that is the dream for cabin life. And I know that is very much, I see your Insta stories and I see you all floating around in a boat drinking beer and it looks lovely. So I know that you all do that, but you're also, I also see you doing a lot of work on the cabin. How do you balance that? The relaxation and actually enjoying the cabin, but also the list of projects that you have when you go up there. Uh, my wife keeps me from overdoing myself on the projects a lot. Uh, I am always someone who needs like 45 projects at once. Um, but it usually is like if I have friends around, I it's a relaxation time. Mm -hmm. um, granted, if there's one friend, my friend Gabe, he is also totally into building and whatnot. So he's the one that has helped me do redo the bathroom. We reframed the bathroom, redid the plumbing, redid the electrical, um, all that ourselves, which was really fun. That's but a good right. friend to have. Oh, it's a really good friend to have. <laughs> uh, you're right, though. It, it is a hard balance because I want to relax and enjoy it. And I also want to keep improving it. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, if you get tired, you can put the hammer down and jump in the lake. Like, that's what I did. We were redoing the pantry this past weekend and tore up the floor, demoed the, demoed the pantry. And I'm like, all right, I'm sweaty and tired and, and agitated a little. So I'm going to go jump in the lake. Yeah. Which is just amazing. <laughs> and this is the beauty, again, of like, it is just yours, not renting it. You can do it at any pace you want. I feel like every time we go up, we have a project and it has to be done by the time we leave because the next guest is checking in, but you can just kind of draw those boundaries in a way that there's a lot less pressure. Yeah. And I, I actually was listening to another episode of yours where you had said that same thing. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want that. Yeah. I did want this for myself to, to do it at my own pace. I love, I, I lit, my wife catches me just literally standing, staring at different parts of the cabin because my mind is racing with like, oh, what could I do there? What little thing can I tweak here or yeah. there to, you know, make it more cabiny, make it more what I like. Yeah. Granted, I'm not making income from my cabin. Like, right. You know, so like there's a trade-off for sure. Yeah. Um, but this was always a passion project of mine, something I want in my family to show my kids, give my kids and everything like that. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, most common topics of conversation around the fire pit. <laughs> um, why are s'mores so popular? <laughs> oh, you, wait, you don't like them? Oh, no, I love them. But okay. everyone loves them. But we're also just like, why are they so popular? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, more topics are renovation topics, just because I am renovating the cabin. We, yep. me and my friends just talk all the time. People are throwing ideas at me left and right. And yeah, just it's it's really whatever around the campfire. Anything no. goes, I feel like. And it depends who it is. For us, I feel like um, outer space <laughs> is a common one just because you can see the stars there in a way that you can't other places. So inevitably, we end up looking up at constellations or you see satellites or you see shooting stars and then you're sitting around the fire. And I feel like that's one that comes up there way more than anywhere else. Yes. Okay. Related to what you just said. Do you have a preferred um, type of s'more or approach to cooking your s'more? Um, I am a golden brown s'more man. If you burn your s'more, I think you're a psychopath. Crazy. Um, we discovered last year, I forget what they're called, but they're these like British tea cookies. And so they're like soft cookies with chocolate already like glazed on them. 
and they are literally the perfect s'more. Instead of the graham cracker. Instead of graham crackers. Look, I love a classic s'more. I'm not knocking a classic s'more, but these are soft cookies, which graham crackers, one of the worst parts is they break off and it's hard to, you know, keep True. Yep. True. Soft cookies, chocolate already glazed on them. So when you put the hot marshmallow on, the chocolate starts to melt and you're just going to eat it immediately. Sandwich wow. in between two and it's it's brilliant. I'm going to send you what they are. Okay. And it's one less ingredient to buy too, which is really nice. one less ingredient to buy. might be more expensive because it's from England. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds good though. They're not breakfast cookies, are they? I remember my sister studied abroad in London and discovered some sort of soft biscuit that they ate all the time. And it was like super delicious, but I don't remember. I think it was like breakfast cookies or something. I think they are like tea biscuits, rich tea cookies. What? Oh, McVitie's. McVitie's. Okay, good. I'm so glad you came up with that now so that the people can really benefit from this. I'm learning a lot about s'mores this season, I feel like. Yeah. McVitie's Digestive Biscuits. That's what it is. Digestive (laughs) Biscuits. Yes. They're so good. My sister thought they were healthy. Good thing she doesn't listen to my podcast. She thought they were healthy. (laughs) And so they ate ate a whole bunch and she gained like 15 or 20 pounds when she studied abroad in London and she swears it was the Digestive Biscuits. (laughs) They are definitely not healthy. <laughs> this is so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, most common drinks that you all will share. Um, love. I mean, beer is usually fully stocked. I Lake St. George. I haven't even talked about the lake yet. No. Lake St. George is the supposed second cleanest lake in Maine. The only What's other the clean- first one? Sebec Lake? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Apparently, the other the cleanest one is like one next to Canada, which makes sense. Okay. Um, but Lake St. George, incredibly clear, crystal clear lake. It has on the other side of it, Lake St. George Brewery. So I'm a five oh. minute drive to a brewery or a 45 minute canoe paddle to the brewery. Oh my they, God. they set out a dock at the brewery so you can pull your boats up to the brewery. This is amazing. That's like it's the only so way you should go there is yeah, canoeing. It is. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the beer. So that's the beer. We usually have Lake St. George beer stock. I am a huge fan of some sort of like spritzer, sangria with spritzer. That's like usually my go-to drinks. Agree. I've started. Okay. I'm on a budget right now. Um, and so we've started drinking boxed wine. And when we were at the beach, I started mixing it with, we drink a lot of bubbly, like seltzer yeah. water and it's a exactly great little spritzer. But yeah. then I came home from the beach and made a mistake and filled up a glass with half a glass of wine and then a white claw in my brain. I was thinking that the white claw was a spritzer, but then about halfway through this drink, I was like, I think I'm drunk. And I realized, oh, wow, this is like alcohol on alcohol. This might not be the best approach. But it was a good drink, right? It was amazing. Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It took one drink for me to be drunk. So, but I will say boxed wine, My the rest of my family thinks it's disgusting, but I'm a big fan of the refreshing white boxed wine mixed with bubbly. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a go-to. Yeah. Okay. Most common meals that you make at the cabin. Hot dogs and burgers, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge stickler for the type of buns though. Um, so I... For the longest time, I was actually a potato buns man. Yep, me too. And so obviously still good. We'll not knock those. But most, even like big chain grocery stores, go to the bakery section. Brioche buns. Oh, yes. Quite good. Game changer. So just as good, if not better than potato buns. But you have to get big burgers to go with those because they are a little bit larger. And if you get the like classic patties or like a veggie burger, it doesn't fill the bun. Huge downside. But real burgers, I'm sure, are much better with that. Um, other foods I, we love cooking. So huge fan of like home fries, scrambled eggs with a bunch of ingredients in the morning, bacon, sausage. Um, also on the other side of the lake is a, a local diner owned by a local woman who does like local diner breakfast is the pie queen of Liberty or sorry, donut queen of Liberty. Um, yeah. Can't Can you paddle there too? Uh, yeah, you could paddle to the brewery and then walk the two minutes to the diner. Oh my gosh. So like downtown <laughs> Liberty is the right across the lake from you. So, so actually downtown Liberty is separate than the brewery and the diner. Okay. There's like a brewery, a diner and a gas station. And then downtown Liberty, actually there's two famous air quotes, uh, buildings there. One is Liberty graphics or Liberty tees, 
um, huge, well-known, just like little graphic tea shop in downtown Liberty. The other is Liberty Tool Company, which is a three or four story, basically antique shop of tools, old tools, good tools, uh, and antiques. And like, if you need any kind of tool, pickaxe, uh, you know, wrenches, anything, this place is floor to ceiling tools. And it's amazing. I need to look up how far Liberty, Maine is from the lake because Sean obviously is a handyman and this shop sounds like it would be right up his alley. And also just to know, okay, you're only an hour and a half. You're south. So you're much closer. I wonder how far that is from Freeport. You're like 45 minutes from Freeport, north of Freeport. Yeah. North of Freeport. Okay. Yeah. And you're about an hour and a half from the lake that we go to okay so that might be worth a day trip so you're gonna appear on my instagram is what you're saying yeah that's right (laughs) that's right i'm just gonna surprise you so we're driving up tonight which is why this conversation is so fun for me right now because it's getting me really excited about camp life and if i weren't headed up tonight it would just make me sad but now i'm just like looking forward to it it's the fourth the perfect time to be at the lake i am planning to be up there maybe thursday through saturday or sunday so if you do want to stop by yes but not for the actual fourth no, because um, I'm we're celebrating. We are having our wedding reception July 15th. So we have a lot. Of oh, to do. <laughs> OK, so tell me about your cabin wedding. Wait, I have one more and then we're going to go to your cabin wedding next. I want to hear about your cabin fashion. What are your most often worn items when you're at the cabin? I was about to say like sandals or nothing, but it's actually slippers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hard sold have... or soft sold? Uh, let's see. I have a two pairs because I have one at home. So LL Bean, of course, wicked uh, plas- good plastic hard sold for lion. Yep, yep. Those are the there ones. you go. Okay, so slippers. But what are you wearing on your body usually? Uh, usually, it's just if I'm working, I have a pair of work jeans that I just get messy and a t-shirt. Otherwise, probably bathing suit and shorts. Yeah, shorts and just diving in. Okay, so follow-up question. Do you believe in showering when you're at the lake? Um, I shower infinitely less at the cabin than I do at home. And if I do shower, it's usually just to wake myself up or if I've been doing construction all day to get all the debris and sweat off me. Um, okay, fair enough. But that but is what the lake is for, just so you know. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, if I've jumped in the lake i'm not gonna go take a shower it's the same water (laughs) thank you i see what team you're on i've actually been debating i haven't showered in a week here and so i've been debating like wait should i shower before i get in the car tonight because i definitely i don't believe in showering at the lake but like two weeks feels like i'm pushing it a little bit what are you gonna jump in the lake when you get there of course so like you're fine so it shouldn't (laughs) matter i know i think i might just like really push the limits this trip. We'll see. Okay. Tell us about your cabin wedding, because as we both know, I'm a big fan of cabin weddings. Um, but it sounds like if you're having a reception on the 15th, the first one was probably pretty small and intimate. Yeah. So we actually eloped. Um, and we, we knew we kind of wanted to elope and it was not like a spur of the moment, but we were like, okay, we're eloping on, you know, this weekend on the weekend of May 5th. And so Alina knew that we were eloping and going to sign our marriage license and everything that weekend, but she knew nothing else. I'm like, I'm planning everything else. Wow. So I made this elopement a surprise. So that is a lot. She trusts you a lot. She does. <laughs> Weddings are like, a. usually it's the opposite. So the fact that she just let you take the reins is very impressive. So I love doing this to her. I love surprising her. But it's also like a wedding, like you need to plan a few things. So it's like, okay, we're getting married. So we know we need to pack. Like she was going to go get some dresses and whatnot, not wedding dresses, but other, you know, nice dresses and everything. Yeah. So the plan, the only thing I told her is we're getting married this weekend up in Maine. I am taking you to Camden, Maine for a day trip. Like we're going to hang out in Camden and do some stuff. And that's, that's all you get to know. Um, so we get up there, uh, like, a Friday night or something. And <laughs> we had put in the dock in April. And my friend Gabe, the uh, the one who helps me out with everything, helped me do that the weekend before. 
under the guise of Gabe being like, no, you got to get the, you got to get the, you got to get the docket. You have to do it. Cause Alina didn't know we were getting married on the dock. Cause April is early. I mean, was that the ice even was out? the coldest water I've ever done. I have a video yeah. of me just swearing constantly. Because oh, I bet it was awful. So we got the dock in fast forward to the week or two later when Alina and I go up, we arrive and I look out and the dock, the end of the dock is underwater. No, because it had rained for a full week mm-hmm. and the water level rose six or seven, eight inches and the end four end pieces of my dock floated away. Yep. This exact thing happened to our dock last week. <laughs> and so still haven't found two of the four pieces. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does your lake have a Facebook group? Oh, I should look up that. If they yeah. Because yeah. ours, everyone was sharing the pieces of dock that they found because ours went up a a foot and a half in 24 yeah. hours. It yep. was crazy. Yep. And it's supposed to rain like all week this week. So I'm worried about it. I know. Day. I'm hoping it'll change. <laughs> Anyways, May 5th. So that was like Friday night. I'm not getting in at night. And so May 5th, I jump in the water alone to try to raise up the dock, put the pieces back on. And it was so cold. I, and, th- I, and to do that, you have to go all the way under to like prop yeah. it up. That's not yeah. just like getting your body wet. Yep. So. And I couldn't do it. I stopped. It was too cold for me. I come back in. I'm like, Alina, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I can't get the dock. And she's like, nope. And she puts on her bathing suit. And it's like, let's go. And so she's, she literally is in that morning. She's has curlers in her hair because she's getting ready to go get married. And she's in her bathing suit, putting the dock up because she knows I didn't tell her, but she knows we're getting married on that dock. So we get that dock back up. And she passed the camp test right she there. She passed the camp <laughs> test right there. So it's only because of her that we got married on that dock. Wow. Do you have any pictures? Because I haven't seen any pictures on your social. I was actually going to show you. I was going to share the uh, cabin album with you during this call. Yes. Can I put some of them in the YouTube edit of this? Oh, sure. Actually, okay. I'll even share the uh, the wedding album. With you yes. Again. I love this. Did she manage to not get her hair wet when she was underwater? Uh, I went underwater. Okay, so she was just helping from the top. Yeah, we didn't have to fully go underwater. But who was your witness slash the person who like? Yeah, so I haven't even finished the story. No. So continuing on the wedding day story is we get the dock set and I bring her into Camden, and so Camden just amazing seaside uh, main town. Love it. There's a brewery. Went around to antique stores, all this kind of thing. She was wearing like a white, nice sundress. I had put on like nice slacks and a vest and everything. So it was like clear we were like doing something or people pretty intuitively knew we were like getting married that day. And so we were walking around an antique shop and someone asked and everyone around was really happy for us. And then this other girl um, comes up to us. She goes, hey, I'm, I'm a professional photographer. I would love to take a few photos for you for your wedding day. And we just in an antique shop got a bunch of free professional photos. <laughs> Wait, is, is this the person who took all of the photos in this album or is that no. just okay? So that's like wow. a few of those we got for free and we're like, oh my God, thank you. And she was just in town that day shooting something else. She was on just waiting around in an antique store and, and did that for us. That is so cool. So we had a good time going around Camden, got like a mimosa here. We went to a local place to get uh, lobster rolls. Someone yes. bought us bought us lobster rolls. They're like, really? oh, yeah, because they overheard that we were getting married and like, all right, they're buying our lobster rolls for us. Okay, because those aren't cheap. So no, they're not. <laughs> Day wraps up in Camden. We say our vows to each other in the little amphitheater um, next to the library in Camden, which is a gorgeous amphitheater. If you oh, I can tell from these yeah. pictures. Um, and I had booked a different professional photographer. So we did an hour photo shoot at the amphitheater. And then we drove up to, I think it's Batty Hill in Camden and did some more Mm -hmm. photos up there. Just a really nice photo shoot. The surprise really enters is that I had also been planning with Alina and I's nuclear families to Mm. be at the cabin waiting for us when we got back. Um, So the photographer was also going to do that. So I gave the photographer a head start back to the cabin drove Alina and I back to the cabin and she got in the car and was like, wait a minute, is that my mom's car? Wait a minute. What's Miranda, the photographer doing? Oh, 
<laughs> I'm looking at these pictures as you're talking about it and I can see her face. <laughs> so we got there, went down, everyone was there waiting for us, drinks all around, started celebrating. Um, I had asked her brother to be the officiant. Mm. Um, so on the two pieces of dock that were still remaining of the four, us three squished down on the dock and we did like a six minute ceremony um, right down on the dock. It was lovely. Did some photos, celebrated, and then yeah, just hung out, and it was lovely. It was- these photos are beautiful on the dock. I love knowing exactly what it took to get the dock there for these <laughs> photos. Yes, that is uh, worth worth the story. I'm so happy for you guys. This looks like the perfect way to celebrate. I'm sure that the reception with all the other people that you care about is going to be great, but there is something really special about just the people that matter most and a place that matters most to the two of you. That was honestly exactly what it was. We knew, yeah, we wanted something special and we wanted a place to be special. And like, what yeah. what more special place than our cabin, our place right. that we, we intend and love, intend to be there forever and love being there, love being in nature, love sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's half the reason I even bought a cabin in the first place um, was to share it with people. Yeah. Um, to share this style and relaxation and everything. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing these pictures. Um, I've been really behind on my YouTube edits, but I'm going to try and put these in there and share with the people. So if you're listening to this, keep an eye on our YouTube channel and um, I will, I will drop some of those pictures in there. Okay. So I do want to talk just a little bit about the renovation process in terms of lessons that you've learned so far before we get to our hot topics to wrap this up. Um, but you've been doing so much of this yourself. I'm wondering for other folks who are renovating or doing projects on their own, what are some of the mistakes you've made or things that you've learned along the way or like top pieces of advice you would give someone who maybe is thinking about this or in the midst of it? Yeah. Um, the best piece of advice I could possibly give for people doing anything themselves and all this stuff, use YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love doing it all myself. And like, yes, you need to just jump in and get your hands dirty and learn along the way and everything. But it's also all there on YouTube. I, I truly cannot say this enough. I learned and taught myself how to do basic electrical and plumbing over the winter, this, the first winter, and redid the entire plumbing and electrical system in my cabin. I made sure, you know, I watched videos over and over and over until I got all the core concepts down and all this kind of stuff. Um, also check with your local and state codes if you can do that yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, of but, course. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's also, to me, a part of the cabin lifestyle is like, it is making a cabin your own, doing it all yourself. Like the previous owners obviously made all their own renovations and those kind of things to this cabin too. And it's, it is, the cabin is, is about making it your own. Yeah. Um, have made a lot of mistakes along the way for sure. Uh, when I, the first season, um, I went there the day I bought it, April 22nd. 2021 and two days after your birthday, two days after my birthday. (laughs) Um, And I like just didn't know what I was doing. Like I had the second album I just shared with you. You can see some of the early photos. They had consigned everything. So like everything in there was like still there. And I'm like, oh, great. I can just start using the cabin right away. No, they had not used this cabin in five years. And it was Um... 40 year old stuff. I ended up throwing four dump truck trucks worth of garbage away. I replaced almost everything. It was so dirty and disgusting. The water heater wasn't working. Um, I thought my septic pump had stopped working at one point. I was just freaking out. Great. These are Uh, the really unsexy parts of cabin ownership. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are definitely some unsexy things, but if you want to put in the time to learn them, like it is so rewarding. I love doing these things myself. I love being able to put the exact touches that I want on yeah. all of these things. Yeah. Do you ever get impatient? Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> would be the hardest part for me. Even at our our house that we moved into recently, we've been doing projects and it just feels like I don't have patience and I have to have so much patience to wait for like downtime to do it or getting a new tool or 
whatever going to the hardware store it just feels like everything takes forever oh yes it is definitely like i've and i've gotten better like this is my third season now and like i have got gotten better of when i'm home like okay i I write down all the things that i need and we'll go to the hardware store while i'm home and then bring it all with me up to the cabin for the things i need but like each time i do that then i realize more things i need and like yes you definitely have to have patience i think one of the unwritten rules of renovating anything is one like finish your project first before moving on to something else, which I have such a hard time with, but like the bathroom was undone for so long. Like we only just painted it this season and whatnot. Um, But it's finally coming along. And like, we made ourselves finish this bathroom this summer before we ripped out the walls of the pantry this past weekend. Yeah. Um, That's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give is finish one project first. Cause otherwise it's, more chaos than you can handle. Yes. Yes. Okay. I remember um, when you won the giveaway at Cozy Rock, you also won a design consult with Jordan, who we had on one of the very early episodes of the podcast. What was the biggest piece of design advice that she gave you that you've implemented into what you're doing now? Yeah. I actually love that because I was like, Hey, Jordan, I know this is a, a giveaway and like, it's a one room, but technically my cabin is just one big room. So help me with the whole cabin (laughs) help me with the whole cabin um the biggest piece of advice i remember jordan giving me for my cabin specifically because it is 15 feet away from the water is of all those like pieces of furniture and flooring and everything make it you know water resistant make everything Mm. make make a track for everything like oh like your bathroom's here and here's the door coming from uh you know the lake like you're gonna track water think about that, put rugs down, whatever that is. It's like the other, just so many things about the cabin I love is designing it to be practical as well. So like, where do you store all your uh, water toys? Like, okay, you have a little cabin right next to the lake so you can easily access them. Where are people coming in? Okay, put some water resistant rugs or something down there. Um, All those kind of little things um, she was able to help with and some other minor touch-ups and all those kind of things. I think that gets missed a lot, the functional piece in the age of Instagram, and you're worried about how it will photograph and how it will look. Yes. And yet when hosting, now this this still applies, you are hosting. You're not, people aren't paying you to go, but you're still hosting lots of folks at the cabin. I feel like those functional pieces are the things that make the biggest difference for the maintenance of the cabin, for the um, enjoyment of the cabin, like that there is a designed system for everything, where something goes, how to protect the floors, all of that. And it's just very clear to anyone who might be visiting you or renting your cabin, should that be the case? Yeah, actually, I can't. I actually had never thought about it that way. But yeah, it's designing it all so practically, thoughtfully, but not care. Honestly, that's kind of part of a cabin, not caring about how it looks. It's way more um, form, form over function, function over form, function over form. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's way more functional perform. And that's something I like. I'm just a, you know, a practical guy in general, but like then making that function in the style of rusticness of incorporating it with nature, also going out of your way to make it practical, but not destroying nature in the process. Yeah. That's another big one. Um, I think that's a huge one that, which makes a camp a camp because like we were actually going in the boat down the coast, looking at all these other cabins and they have giant green lawns, which they cut down all the trees and brush for. And I'm like, that's not a cabin. That's just a house on a lake. And I'm like, where's, you know, where's the pine needles? Where's, um, you know, the roots you can trip over, uh, like all those make a cabin. Yeah. I think that was one of my biggest disappointments with cozy rock was that big grassy area we have, we were required to clear it because we had to put in a septic. So that's where our septic is. And you're not allowed to plant anything over it. But in retrospect, it's just, it's a very large lawn. And in my mind, when I think of a cabin, I don't think of a lawn. I think of more the front of the cabin where we have just like wildflowers growing and like, like you're saying, like pine leaves fall and it's just like, you know, in yeah, the woods. I mean, we can get into a, we can get into a whole other conversation. I'm sure of like, are those kind of cabins almost, and I, I kind of am on the side of a di- they are a dying breed because mm-hmm. of all the new regulations, which of course all the new regulations yeah. and everything makes sense to protect the environment and everything. But it's, you can't build a, a, a 
a cabin within 100 feet of water. I remember when I first bought my place, I actually read all 76 pages of the shoreland zoning ordinances <laughs> to be like, okay, what can and I can't do? Yeah. Um, and there's so much you can't do now, but it, I know. it makes sense to preserve right. what these lakes and cabins and everything are. Right. Um, right. But, the double-edged sword of regulation. Are, yes, exactly. Because yeah. on our lake, it's <laughs> our family camp is like right on the water and you can't build like that anymore. Like it's just, you can't, if you were to buy land, yep. you have to be that far off, which then creates a yeah, lawn will, in between. They will, yep. They will come tear your house down if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And I get it. I love the lake too. And I want to preserve it. And I do think there were a lot of things that were done back in the day that weren't necessarily great at preserving the lake. So it is just, it is what it is. Yeah. But back in the day, you can tell which camps are generations old because of where they're built on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we're getting to the question that we've kind of danced around this whole time. And this is a tricky one. I, I'm going to ask two parts to this. One, what makes a cabin a cabin? And two, are camps inherently cabins? Or is that a different beast? What is the overlap there? That is a good question. Um, okay. What makes a camp a camp? What makes a cabin a cabin? Um, it's funny. My wife and I were discussing this after listening to your to the other episodes. It's... To me, a cabin is back to basics. It's back to basics. It's just your essentials. And it's coziness. Yeah. It's being within nature. It's coexisting with nature. Um, it's back to basics, coziness, and existing with nature. I think those are my three big criteria for what okay. makes a cabin a cabin. Now, cozy is so subjective. So what makes True. a space feel cozy to you? I have very strong feelings on coziness because that's like why I've always loved cabins. I'm totally with you on that one. But what makes something cozy yeah. to me might be different than you. So for you, what makes a space feel cozy? Yeah, for me, it is having a space that's not too big, not too small. My cabin's like 600 square feet. And I love it. It has, we just installed a wood stove for those colder nights. Yes. It's making sure you, the person, are just com are comfortable. Like, I love, I'm in a blanket right now. Like, I love having blankets. So there's blankets all over my cabin. Yeah. Um, big, puffy covers. Uh, like, what also makes it cozy for me is the, the wood tones and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. They all blend together. Um, you know, having a beer or water or the fridge, you know, within reach, not like, you know, its own giant room in like, you know, these estates. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I want just the basics of yeah. what I need, what I need to get by just right here. I don't need any more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that camps are always cabins or do you think that's a separate category? I think, oh man, I'm going to go hard on this one. I think the term camp these days has been bastardized a little mm. because of like my neighbor's house actually there in Liberty is this like 2000 square foot place that they built. I'm like, that's not a cabin. That's a house. That's a lake house. Mm -hmm. uh, but they might call it a camp and get away with it. But to me, someone on the Cabin Culture podcast I'm like, that's not a cap. That's yeah. not, that's not back to basics. You have a full kitchen. You have like four or five core bedrooms, um, all this stuff. Like you have a, you're building a three bay garage. Like, no, that's not a cabin. That's a house. Yeah. A cabin is also a getaway, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, Tyler, it turns out I'm part of the problem because our camp, we call it a camp and it has four bedrooms uh -oh. in it. I have never called it a cabin. Wait. I don't think it's a cabin, but we call it a camp. Wait, the one on the lake? Yeah, the one on the lake. See, I would, I would, I've obviously been on your Instagram. I've never been to that cabin, but I've, you know, stalked the Instagram endlessly. I would consider that a cabin. Really? Really? Tell me more. Yeah, because I, I would consider that a cabin because you do, it's all, it's all condensed into a very small space. Even though you have separate bedrooms, they're not, they're like literally just a bed and that's it. 
So it's like, again, just the functionality. Yeah. You have the space for it for guests to be, to me, again, I'm not trying to host, uh, you know, Airbnb guests. I'm trying to host my friends and whatnot. But when I'm hosting yeah. my friends, I honestly don't care where they're sleeping as long as they have a bed. Agreed. The room is just a bed. And like, what do you do during the day? Then you're hanging out in the kitchen, drinking right. beer down by the lake. It's you're like outside. Bed, exactly. The bedrooms don't matter. And you yep. can have bunk rooms and all that. So your um, lake place is to me still a cabin. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think my grandfather would not consider it a camp. Like he'd be fine mm. with us calling it a camp, but like he's the one who did all the work on our family camp. And I think he'd come see ours and be like, this is a nice house. Not, and part of that is because my sister and I care about design. So we like, you know, put a lot of design touches on it that he'd be like, what is this? Is any of this furniture hand me down? Like, yeah, devil's advocate. I would say that place is probably like on the line. approaching yeah. gray line territory. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I know we're pushing cabin it. Versus house. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I've never called that one a cabin, but we do call it camp just because for nostalgic reasons, we wanted this to be our family camp. And so we didn't want to be I like our wait. lake house. I, wait, this is such a fun question because now I am thinking about it in that way. Maybe your place isn't a cabin, but it is a camp. There we go. That's what we, that's the yep. camp, that's the camp, pun intended, that we've <laughs> landed in is that it's a camp, but not a cabin. Okay. Yeah. I, think I, I think I'm on board with that. There's obviously no right or wrong answers, except that we're probably right um, about all of these. I <laughs> <laughs> think we've nailed it. Perfect summary. Tyler, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Can you tell everyone again your Instagram so that they can find you um, and follow progress on season three of Camp Tuttle? Yes. Uh, season three of Camp Tuttle is ongoing. Um, the Instagram is camp underscore Tuttle, T-U-T-T-L-E. It's just starting up. Um, I'm actually hoping to go back through photos of season one and two and post those as yes. well. Because um, you have yeah, a lot here. On. Yeah. You have a lot there of good is, content. Uh, you documented a lot of what you did. Yeah. It's just going to be me and my wife and friends being silly. This is not for, uh, I'm not going to be renting it. I'm just having fun documenting it. Yeah. It's just fun documenting it. Yes. And you have a great Instagram personality as proven when you stayed at Cozy Rock. That was one of my favorite documented stays at the cabin ever. Uh, so definitely will a, be yeah, a fun I follow. Love. I'm looking forward to it. Love making silly little videos. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so good to see you. Thank you for joining us. You too. I, I hope you have me back at some point. Yes, I will. I will. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or share some of your favorite parts over on Apple Podcasts and a review. If you have any suggestions for guests or feedback, you can always find us on Instagram at Cozy Rock Gabin and The Chalet Frame, spelled C-H-A-L-A. See you next week. Thanks for joining us.